0: Hello and welcome to For Your Reconsideration, the film podcast that, like a film industry strike, stands up against AI and all that cheapo hokum, and stands up for the weird, wonderful, and ridiculous of all corners of the cinema world, and seeks reappraisal for each and every one. Or do we? Joining me on the fictional picket line are Simon and James. How are you boys? Hello. Mm, topical. Well, my, I hope it's still topical by the time it comes. <laughs> I, I think it's going to be topical for a few months. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we do like to, you know, we do like to bait a little bit of uh, current opinion while we're at it. Yeah. Uh, or no, actually, this is just a new thing I'm doing. You guys, I'm dragging you in <laughs> on this ride with me. I apologise. I'm happy to be dragged, to be honest. Yeah, it's good. Excellent. Something a bit spicy at the top, yeah. Spicy? <laughs> um, guys, What? Are, well, first off, how are you both? Yeah. Uh, Good. Very well, Rob. Yourself? Splendid. Thank you very much. Splendid. Um, I've been. Uh, I'm not. I'm not so sure about Barbenheimer, as in the phrase. I would prefer Boppenheimer. <laughs> that's what I will be referring to. Pretty here. good. Minimal Barbie, yeah. though. Yeah,
1: that's the thing. Yeah, sidelines yeah. Barbie. Yeah.
0: What about Boppenheimery? Bar Boppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one. Bar Boppenheimer. <laughs> job done. Absolute job done. Uh, can I ask what you've both been watching?
1: Yes, so uh, you may remember, Rob, uh, last time out we discussed a little film called uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and oh, in do. part that was inspired by the fact that a new Indiana Jones picture was coming out, uh, so I went to see The Dial of Destiny, and it'd be remiss of us not to discuss that briefly, having done a whole episode on the previous instalment. So I would have called this um aka Indiana Jones and the Adequate Adventure. <laughs> 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 it's just the most meh instantly forgettable instalment in the franchise. The film really lacks that sense oh of God. Spielbergian magic and it's just sort of rumbles along until it finishes. It's a three star film, like it's just it just is. Like it leaves very little impression. Uh, Ford acts well, but moves slowly. I mean, that's not a criticism. He's 80 years old. <laughs> Waller Bridge is just so irritating. And there are one or two nice set pieces, but it lacks any real sense of personality and just feels a bit tired. Um, but, you know, all the people who hated Crystal School will be glad to hear that there aren't 10 seconds of bequif CGI monkeys in this one. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know, I didn't dislike it. It just left no impression on me other than it was a bit of a bummer and cast kind of a pull over the upcoming summer blockbuster season. And then I saw Across the Spider-Verse, Dead Reckoning Part 1 and Oppenheimer in quick succession, and now I'm absolutely fucking buzzing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're back. We're back. Movies are back. Does Dial of Destiny not... So I have not seen it. Does, Does it occupy a little happy little place in all of that? Or is it just like, no? What do you mean in terms of in the ones that you've seen? Like, so you mentioned Spider Verse, uh, Oppenheimer, and uh, Dead Reckoning.
1: Oh no! Compared to them, it's like one of the worst films ever made because they're all really, really good, and this is just (laughs) a load of a a really like just it's just not a fun film, which is like the antithesis of what. (laughs) Yeah, that that worries me a lot.
2: (laughs) That was my main issue with it. I just had I, I found it really dull. I was just like. It looked really dull for a start because all, most of the action sequences are at night and in the rain. And it was just a bit like dreary. But then also, it's just really depressing. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, just, uh, I'm getting like, Indiana Jones is getting really old. That means I'm getting really old. And oh, God. <laughs> like, no. Yeah, no, I, no. I, I, um, you're being way more generous than, than me, James. I didn't like it at all. I thought it was way too
1: long. Oh, it's really long really long. Oh, man.
2: And having watched all the others recently as well, not necessarily in preparation for it, just because we just just happened to watch them all, and just had a great time with all of them. Even the ones I don't like, like Temple of Doom and and Crystal Skull, they're still entertaining films. But I just didn't, I just found this one really boring. And there was like flashes of good stuff in there, but on the whole, I think you summed it up when you said it was missing the Spielberg magic, because that's what it was missing. There, it, it, there wasn't any magic in it, I don't think. It was just a bit, meh, meh, yeah. all, right, all right, cool. It just
1: it, didn't, didn't do it for me, didn't do it for me, sadly. I mean, fair play to Mangold. He's, he's had a go, but and he is a very you know apt Hollywood filmmaker. Yeah, he's good. He's He's got some great but films. But he's not his... Steven Spielberg, and it's just, yeah... For me, it was just it just sort of it just didn't have that charge, and I was just sort of like because I I've, I've, you know I sort of foregone a lot of the early summer blockbusters like the Flash, no interest, Fast and Furious, no interest. Yeah, not seen them. So I was like, all oh, right, this is my, kicking off my my summer blockbuster season. This and then I just found it really just sort of meh, just not yeah. not not great at all, um, not awful, but just you know I'd rather it had been like unspeakably awful, so it left some sort of impression, but I'm struggling to really recall anything that kind of happened in it. And Mm. I went. I ended up, I wasn't going to. uh, I'd been to the gym, and then I just ended up going, uh, seeing what was on. And I was like, oh, it's out tonight. Like, it was like a Wednesday. And I went, and it was like maybe a third full on a half-eight showing on the first night that it's available to the wider public. So I just think there's a lack of enthusiasm for that property now i think it's probably just had its day seems that way um and there's only people who like grew up with it like us who are still interested in it mm. but but it's like with something like that
2: just sort of remaster the old ones like don't just just put them on 4k and and yeah you know re-release them in cinemas and watch them you know i think that would go down better you don't need to keep making new ones because you, it's obviously not gonna yeah it's not going to get to that. I mean, because, you know, a lot. I think we are in the minority
1: who actually quite like Crystal Skull. Yeah. Mm. It's way better than The Dial of Destiny. I, I, I
2: mean, I I, think it is. I, I, for, for a start, I think it feels like an Indiana Jones movie, Crystal Skull. This one doesn't.
1: It's just a completely different film, in in my opinion. Sad, confused old man goes yeah, globetrotting.
2: Yeah, it's, it's really, really, really sad. That is really the sad. most depressing. Um, <laughs> it's not horrendous. Maybe I'm being a bit too harsh, but... Um, do I want to see it again? I don't know. Maybe I do. Maybe I was just watching yeah. it at a bad time or something. I don't know. But I was very bored.
0: <laughs> That's so sad. And for an Indiana Jones movie, that is almost unspeakable that that you would feel those emotions afterwards. Yeah. Um, uh, so um, I, obviously, as you know, I've not seen it, but I did have a dream the other night where I was at a film convention, not unlike... Uh, <laughs> The one that we went to, the sci-fi weekender. Oh yeah yeah. The biblically great <laughs> folklore Incredible. weekend of all <laughs> the time. Pontons, yeah. Pontons for yeah, style. <laughs> um and everyone was talking about like, you know, like have you seen Bubba Burr? And I answered and even interjected and butted in on conversations with, Oh, a James Mangold picture. I don't know why. So <laughs> but I just kept repeating it, honestly. I woke up just So, this was a dream. This was a dream. I was was telling people (laughs) James Mangold picture, James Mangold picture. James Mangold picture. I don't know what was wrong with me. This is not an, you know, it's not a, a foreign question for Funny. me to ask of myself. Um, James was there anything else you wanted to share? about?
1: No, just that uh, Oppenheimer's really good and I'm so glad that it's making so much money. And uh, I'm booked yeah. in to see uh, Barbie with Mrs. S at the weekend as well. Nice. So we're going to do the second part of the Barbenheimer Double bill, week apart. Excellent.
0: Excellent. Uh, so,
1: yeah. Oh, What I will will say as well, when I came out of Oppenheimer on Sunday night at 11 o'clock, uh, I didn't see an IMAX. So I left it too late to book a ticket for that, and they were all sold out. And I came out, and, you know, that was a packed screening. And as I was coming out of that screening of Oppenheimer, a Barbie screening was letting out at exactly the same time. Chaos. <laughs> The cinema was just rammed, and everybody was talking about the movies that they'd just seen, and it was just a really positive attitude. And I can't remember that the last time that happened, you know, certainly pre pandemic, where. Two so massive movies came out on the same weekend that served different audiences, but that everybody sort of had an interest in and everybody's involved in. It feels almost like event cinema of like the nineties or the two so thousands. Like,
0: like, like, like for example, when everyone was queuing up to see Independence Day, it was on multiple screens. That kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, 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 absolutely,
1: yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Barbie as well. That'll be
0: good fun, I'm sure. But who, who, for- remotely thought that? A movie about Barbie that wasn't yeah. a kids' movie, that's a 12A. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And a movie about the father of the atomic bomb yeah. would be the movies to smash that and break that mold. It's just incredible, isn't I it? I just
1: think it's really funny because Warner Brothers clearly put Barbie out on the same weekend as Oppenheimer to try and sink it, you know, in retaliation to um, Chris Nolan defecting over to Universal and slagging off HBO Max. <laughs> uh, and basically what social media has done is just combined these two entities together into one incredible double bill and Oppenheimer's has probably made like you know double the money it would have made on its opening weekend because of this phenomenon and it's a fantastic film and everyone should go and watch it and go and catch barbie as well because i will be going to watch that also
0: nice it's a
2: brilliant to see I mean a minor annoyance for me because I tried to get tickets for both Oppenheimer and Barbie they were all sold out when I was trying to look but oh. this is great it's really good that, that people are going to the cinema again and it's this odd weird out of nowhere sort of event that's happened and it is it is brilliant to see and it's just makes all these strikes like even weirder it's like you've got two films where the creators of them have been given seemingly be given free reign to do what they want Yeah, and they've both pushed them to go out of the cinema and they've made an absolute buttload of money but then you've still got these studios being all stubborn about it going oh no streaming's the future or like (laughs) oh no we need we we can't give these people the money they they want and deserve and and i you know i know it goes a bit deeper than that but the the strikes here's 50p per two million streams on netflix yeah it's just (laughs) surely they see this and go like oh yeah maybe we should sort of realize this and understand there's money to be made going back to the old model of cinemas now we're in this um you know now it's after the pandemic i know it's still not fully gone away but yeah, it's great to see that all these And it's something like the first time ever two top two films have opened to more than
1: 80 million each or something like that. That's um, insane. On its, first, on its opening just weekend. Just broken so many records, box office-wise, yeah.
0: For the same weekend going head-to-head as well. And actually, I don't feel like, you know, when I read about it, I don't feel that they see each other as head-to-head.
1: No, they don't. They're
2: counter-programming to each other. I, like, exactly, which, which is why it works so well, isn't yeah. it? It's like two completely different... They're like, buddying up. Yeah, and everyone's just going to the cinema. It's it's great, and there's such a
1: buzz around both of them. Yeah, I mean, if it was Colin Trevorrow's Barbie, I don't think I'd be going to watch it. I like Greta Gerwig and Noah
0: Baumbach and Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. Like, <laughs> but I love that all those people are getting the the props that they deserve. Yeah, you know, for yeah. doing some like something like this. I, and I love it. Killian
2: Murphy as well. Like, finally oh, yeah. being leading man on a Nolan movie. They've they've done what six films together before, or yeah. something like that. And it's the first one where he's leading it. And. And he's he's a, he's a great actor, so it's yeah. great to see him like front and center of this massive, massive movie, and it's doing so well. So I think I yeah.
1: underestimate what a huge star he is as well. Given, I'm not really into Peaky Blinders. I've seen the first series and thought it was quite good, but never never went back mm. to it. But you know, people love that show. Like, like they do,
0: devotees, yeah. like buy the wardrobes, buy ta- get tattoos, and all this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, on both sides of the pond. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. like. To me, it's like Killian Murphy from 28 Days Later and Sunshine, but for most people, yes. it's Tommy Shelby from the Peaky yeah. Blinders. Yeah. So like, yeah. That's a good point, actually. That's probably
2: part of the reason why... Because that is a huge program, isn't it? Yeah. Peaky Blinders.
1: Peaky Blinders. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, this is a lesson, and I think I know it's something that um, a lot of artistic corners are struggling with. Same in publishing, got to be honest. But, wow, look what happens when you actually back the arts and artists yep. look what happens you get greatness is what can happen if you actually back these people to do great things so a lesson for all those um those people in positions of power and decision making um all around the arts because a lot of the time the people that have those decisions decisions to make have no idea what they're talking about <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, yes. absolutely no idea can
1: i make um, a uh, an early oscar prediction like as well do. for uh, for Oppenheimer I think it will get over 10 nominations come the... You think so? Yeah, because I think it'll do really well under the line and then it's got really great performances in there as well Nice and adapted screenplay should be in the bag for certain and then director and picture as well so I think it's going to do over 10 nominations at the is it adapted because it's a biopic no it's I based like? on a book called american prometheus it oh it is well, yes yeah. okay. I, I didn't know it was based yeah on yeah oh right cool so um nice. so yeah yeah it was great loved it nice
2: amazing yeah i'm going to see it um on friday
0: so i'm oh class looking forward to it um while we're speaking so si, what about you what have you been swilling on I always say swilling with you, sorry. You told me once what that I'm you like that phrase. No, you told uh, me no, once I, you I, like that phrase, so I reserve it for you. <laughs> I'm always necking a beer when we do this, so maybe it's that. Um, oh, no, I didn't mean that. I meant, like, <laughs> what have you been, like, you know, emotionally... Uh, Metaphysic... Metaf- what am I talking about? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> images on screen <laughs> We we're, were not... They <laughs> reminded me a little bit of do you remember when we were trying when we were doing we were logo hunting for the podcast and this guy offered us a logo that looked like the three of us were shirtless in a sauna too close to each other uh, uh, that was, uh, that, i mean when i looking through my photo library and then
2: stumble across that picture, i will always send it to you because it's the funniest thing just why are we in a sauna? Why are we naked in a sauna?
1: I don't
0: understand. <laughs> why are we clearly holding each other's junk? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so
1: Which will give the listeners an idea of what Simon <laughs> was doing. On yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah.
2: If we were if we were on a webcam like Five Live,
0: you would have seen. Uh, yes, yes, and w- ejected from the studio. Imagine Chappers doing that on Five Live. <laughs> Oh
1: god! Uh,
2: dear. Oh dear! Uh, anyway, um, no, yeah, it's been it's been quite a while since I, I spoke to you about Last spoke to you mm. both because obviously Chris stepped in for the um, Indiana Jones one. Uh, but yeah, uh, for some unknown reason, my wife has uh, only wants to exclusively watch Robert De Niro movies at the moment. Good taste. <laughs> nice, helpful.
1: I don't know why. I really don't. So know So, did why. tonight's film was that was that a couples event? What, from, yeah, it was great. It was great from. how it
2: fell into the into the, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the pattern yeah.
1: of, of watching Robert DeNermous.
2: So yeah, so among among some gems I'd already seen like Taxi Driver, Heat, Copland, Godfather Part Two, which I hadn't seen for ages. Um sickeningly
0: sure good you know. that film.
2: Um, um but I managed to tick off a blind spot um
1: and watched Casino for the first time. <laughs> Whoa. I'm sorry many moons ago, then, I ruined the ending of that. I didn't realise you hadn't seen
2: I, I, it. I mean, I, don't, I, 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 <laughs> I didn't remember that, uh, you saying that because I didn't know what was... I, I remember the opening sequence, you know, where he goes into the car and it explodes. Yeah. I remember that, but then as the film went on, I was like, I don't think I've seen this because <laughs> I don't remember any of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, and it's, you know, unsurprisingly, it's really amazing. Um, yeah. Just a three-hour seminar of how to light Shoot and cut a movie, and what to look for in a tailored suit, some gorgeous uh suits going on in that movie yes, it's just so good it's just really, really good, but like yeah, my, the my absolute horror when I went onto letterbox to like you know eagerly put in my rating and what have you and uh f- the first review I saw was like complaining how badly edited it was, and I was like
1: what what do-
2: what <laughs>
1: I was so confused. It was like,
2: "How dare anyone besmirch the good name of Thelma?"
1: I think uh, was, uh, was it you Ty? Si? I think you had it. You had it right when you said it. Uh, it's six hours of material edited into three that feels like ninety minutes. Like, exactly. Or something yeah. Like. yeah,
2: that's exactly what it is. It just yeah, it's it's there's so much going on in it, but it and it's so long, but still feels it flows really quickly and easily. And all the
0: top lighting in it is just so yeah. intense, but just brilliant. It's just, it's just fucking great. Yeah. I, I mean, imagine having that on your resume and no one ever talks about it. <laughs> you know, oh, like yeah. It's just it's Six, ridiculous, yeah. in top It's ten. just <laughs> absurd, isn't it? Like how solid that filmography is of his. Yeah.
2: So, so good. But yeah, in terms of the cinema... Um, yeah, you know, I've just been so busy, uh, but I managed to catch up um, with Across the Spider-Verse. Yeah, it's so good. Which I was so, so glad I caught good. it before it left the cinema because genu- I genuinely believe that it's the peak of not only comic book movies but maybe animation in general. Really? I just can't comprehend how anything like that can be like conceived and imagined, let alone executed as well as it is. Mm. Um it's just it's honestly it's absolutely brilliant it, it's it it might be a bit long it's like two and a half hours i think so it might be a wee bit long but it's just so good in every respect of ever it's a great story as well it's, it's you know it's quite heavy
1: and full-on i don't know if kids could manage to follow it but yeah i didn't i didn't go with my son for it he doesn't really like superheroes does he not my, no, my nephew loves spider-man he's not into, them. Yeah. Well, he's not into he's... them he's more of a lego and sports kind of Kid, mm. uh, yeah, but I went and I was just blown away by it. I mean, if you're gonna ding it, you'd say, Oh, like two and a half hour- hours is a long time to only tell what the first half of a story, but I wasn't, I didn't feel shortchanged at all, it was just incredible.
2: I was that into it that I did because I didn't realise it was split into two.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's it's first part of two. Yeah, yeah. The idea they were going to release it as one was is mental. It would be four hours long. Yeah, it, it, it like hard stops and goes to be continued, and I was like, no, what, what?
2: <laughs> I was like just what? gutted that it finished. I did it's, not know that. Yeah, yeah. it's um, it, it, it's
0: it's a it's a spectacular film. It's so yeah. good. So, so good. That, surely if they if they can top that off, because obviously the reviews are brilliant, this could be one of the greatest trilogies
1: ever. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, if it's as good as that second one. Does it count as a trilogy, though, if it's a part, if it's like just one really long film cut into cut into it's a two, question. essentially? Good
0: question. Because, yeah. uh, because
1: Mission Impossible is going to have this as well. And again, much like with this Spider-Verse, it's not quite as good as the Spider-Verse, but Tom Cruise jumping off stuff will never not be entertaining to <laughs> <it>. me. Um, yeah. <laughs> And yeah, we loved that. We, me and Mrs S, went to see that. Just everything you want from that kind of movie. Yeah. But what they both do really well is, even though they are part ones, it's not like you know a Deathly Hallows part one or a Mocking Jay part one, where it's just like, why the fuck are we just not getting on with it? it like yeah, they are, yeah, They do work uh, yeah. as self-contained films in their own right, but yeah. they clearly have. There's clearly more to the story coming later, yeah. so I think. That that aspect of um, you know dividing films into you know one long film into two has got a lot better since the uh, early two thousand and tens I mm. think But yeah. that was all the rage. Yeah, really good.
2: I've just got to squeeze one more film if that's all mm.
0: right.
2: Um, I was this was one film I did miss at the cinema, which I was very good about. I watched Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Amongst Thieves on Amazon. I rented it on Amazon the other day. Um, it's just really, really good.
1: Everybody who <laughs> I, I, watches it says really, it's excellent. Really good.
2: Yeah, I heard it's so good. It's it's like to compare it to something in terms of like tone and execution. I would say it's not too different from um, the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Oh so, right, yeah, you know, okay. when that came out and it was really good, and it was like, holy shit, yeah, this yeah. is actually really good. It's it's like that. It's really funny. The action's really good. The CG's really good in it, and it's just like this really amazing. Ensemble cast led by Chris Pine, who is the best of all the Chris's, I think. I agree. I concur. And then Hugh Grant in there is that you know further extending this renaissance of being the go-to villain for <laughs> every movie at the minute it seems. And Umpholumpus. And Lumpus. And it, it's it's a very very enjoyable family-type movie, I think. It's fun for everyone.
1: Oh, great, yeah. I'll look forward to that. But, yeah, it's
2: great. Nice. I don't know if we'll get any more. I don't think it did too well. Hopefully we do, because it, it was the guys who directed Game Night.
1: Oh, I love Game Night.
2: Yes, and, and when I watched Game Night, like, rewatched that a few months ago, I was like, oh, th- these two are definitely going to get a big franchise movie, so I can't wait for that. And then this was it, so... Yeah, I, d- I hope we do see more of it because they're obviously really talented filmmakers, and yeah, it's, it's a good,
0: it's a good one, it's a good one. Cool, very, very cool. What about you, Rob? Sorry, chatting no, for ages. E- <laughs> no, it's been lovely because obviously, as you guys know, I don't get to go to the cinema very much, and I my picks are always hopelessly late, and I'm going to bring in another <laughs> hopelessly late one. Um, I sat down of an evening to watch. The Batman Oh yes Uh, Matt Reeves is Robert Pattinson Um, Is it Pattinson or Pattinson 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 Pattinson. Thank you Considering he's been on this show like Sorry I don't mean he's been on this show Oh I know Imagine Imagine (laughs)
2: Swoon Constant Swoon if he was Yeah I (laughs) remember when our
1: Pats came in and just did a a tight hour with us. <laughs> yeah, and Rob got his name
0: wrong. <laughs> um, no, it, 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 so I have always wanted to watch it. It's just finding that time. A three hour movie, I find just too yeah, much for me. Is ridiculous. It at, is at the ridiculous. No, not it? because of my own head. No, actually, as well, because of my own head. I don't have time for this. I don't have time <laughs> for long movies. If you can't, like we've always said, if you can't do it in two hours, let's just. Now. Yeah, up was anyway. <laughs> Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> Exceptions <laughs> existed. Exceptions, yeah. Geez. And the Batman was one of them. Um, I thought, yeah, it, I mean, it's got a flabby bit in the narrative. Yeah. But I just think, like, the, the standard of filmmaking is just so devastatingly high. Yeah. I, I really like uh, the take on the character. I really liked um, the take on Gotham. I absolutely loved it uh you know i it, it's my <laughs> it's my film of the year uh, from last is, year <laughs> yeah from last year but i i know i really really flipping loved it and i'm really heartened to hear that there's going to be a sequel and also i believe a a, a sort of like a spin-off penguin do series uh, yeah, uh, yeah, there's yeah, a series, yeah. something like that so i've seen a trailer for that um which is uh, you know also, fairly fascinating. Big um, fat Colin aside, Farrell having a big fat good time. Like. <laughs> My big fat Colin Farrell good time. Yeah. <laughs> he's
1: so good in that film. He's, so he's ridiculous.
0: But he is just absolutely brilliant, though. He's he's having a career sweet spot, isn't he, at the minute, this guy. Um, but was he ever out of it or was it just... Uh, you know? No,
1: he did drop off for a while. I think it was when they tried to make him into a leading man and they were just like, well, no, this guy's just a really... Good character actor, I
0: think, and who looks like he should be a leading man. Yeah. But no, aside from that, I want to, um, I want to pause to take us sideways for another film I'd like to speak about. And I'd like to do this in Bigfoot Corner. Okay. (laughs) Bigfoot Corner. Harry and the Hendersons. (laughs) No, no, no. No, no, no. So I, uh, came downstairs after the kids were in bed. It was 11 p.m. I wanted my usual. I wanted a cup of soup and I wanted something to enjoy. Such maniac
1: behaviour, isn't it? I
0: know, I know, I know. Guys, listeners, what you won't know is that once these guys tell me that me having a cup of soup was serial killer behaviour. So I replied with, a video of me making a cup soup saying like dollar hide do you see do you see <laughs> now that's the commentary I
1: would have it at 11pm at night oh, but- it's
0: gorgeous honestly it's gorgeous just you wait after this recording we are swilling I've got potato and leek for later what anyway and then you go to bed like <laughs> It's a, a warm belly filled with leek and potato liquid. What, honestly, what's more comforting than that? I'm telling you. <laughs> Powdered leek and potato liquid. Uh, anyway. <laughs> the fact that it's a comfort soup as well. As... <laughs> Stop. So I'm, I'm tuning in. You know, like I'm sat in front of my telly with. Um, so I go on Prime. I want a Bigfoot movie, obviously. Um, So they have that
1: section just there
0: waiting. (laughs) I did type in, so it's one of the first things that comes up whenever I type B. Bigfoot? Are you after Bigfoot, Rob?
1: (laughs) Always.
0: yeah. Thank you. Thank you for this. Um, So I ended up uh, watching Big Legend. Um, Now, Big Legend is a movie that uh, has a fairly low budget. And I, uh, you can see that in, dare I say, uh, and I will, I will caveat this by saying I really enjoyed it, but it does have, uh, you know, lower value, lower production values, um, that sort of span across the board. But I do think they did a great job with what they had, um, and it's about a um, a couple that go into the woods, and in the middle of the night, uh, they're in the tent, and something drags the tent away with the dude's wife in it. So he's... This is not spoilers. You guys aren't going to watch this, so I'm just going to go for it. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah, go for it. It, Thank you. Yes. I'm just
1: looking at the cast
0: list. Thank you. (laughs) Don't look at the cast list too far. (laughs) Stop where you are. So stop where you are. So So I hadn't looked up anything when I started watching this, right? So... um, this guy like emerges from the woods and he gets put straight into a mental institution, right? Okay, or whatever the expression is. A year later, they release him and they're like, "Are you going to go and do something silly?" Like, "Nope, go straight in the woods." Go <laughs> straight in the woods, try and find his wife. Then Bigfoot emerges. They have a big smackdown. It's Ace person versus person. Uh, sorry, person versus Incredible Beast. Uh, that may or may not be real, and uh, they scrap it out, and it's great. We're we doing the whole film. Yeah, is this the- <laughs> yeah, yeah You're it's not so- gonna watch it. You're not gonna watch it, but you might <laughs> after what I say next. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. Well, definitely not now.
1: You're gonna tell me what
0: the end is. <laughs> no, no, no. This is the end. This is the end. Right? Okay. So he wakes up <laughs> in, in this hospital room, having been in a coma for a few days, and the nurse is like, "Are you okay?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." But I want to, you know. Did it die or whatever, you know, like, well, I don't know whether we can talk about that, you know, because, and then the nurse looks over to the corner of the room and Lance Henriksen rolls out <laughs> the shadows in a wheelchair and says, I'm put together, putting together a team to take out these, these monsters. No. No, I he am doesn't. not joking. No, he like, doesn't. I was on my feet with an empty <laughs> cup of soup in my living room. like, ah! Ah, He's here. The cinema's principal Sasquatch advocate is here. <laughs> Are they making the, the BBMU? Is that what There's has something been... said, Honestly, it was supposed to be. So his character, the other guy's name was something like Tyler Kane or something, Tyler something, and, and uh, uh, like uh, 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 monster hunting Lance Henriksen was Jackson Wells. And and they were like, I'm putting together a team to hunt all these monsters. And then at the end, it says to be continued. Da, 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 da. No, sorry, that's what hip hop song was that? It sounded like uh, Get Down with the Sickness, but <laughs> that's a bit, wasn't it? No, I think I was trying to do at the end of Deep Blue Sea. he deepest bluest, you know. Uh, anyway. And I, honestly, I was on my feet. It was just unbelievable. Anyway, I didn't have any Bigfoot news, so I thought I'd share that. Um, and it- <laughs> so basically, Lance Henriksen was the Nick Fury in a failed yes! Bigfoot
1: hunting interconnected cinematic universe. Yes. Yes.
0: Yes. I'm not joking. Yes. Has it not been continued yet? Has no, it- this film came out in 2018. Nothing happened.
1: What? No sequel.
2: Oh, what? Well, no not even sequel in- potential. Not even in production
1: or anything. Oh. Nothing. Nothing. Imagine that if they just had like a VOD straight like Bigfoot <laughs> hunting things that don't exist.
0: <laughs> you can imagine the volume of gravitas. Yeah, it's that like the bought to this. Yeah. He was I'm putting together. Why is team. he in
1: so many Bigfoot pictures? Doesn't
0: it doesn't make any logical absolutely sense at all. <laughs> he absolutely loves it he loves it and, and I think at this point he will die doing it actually <laughs> I think <laughs> but like
1: how Tom Cruise is going to die on, on doing some insane stunt and Rick's going to die on set of a straight to video Bigfoot picture
0: <laughs> <laughs> very much so very much so is the answer <laughs> right so in lieu of anything else uh, that big legend is Bigfoot Corner <laughs> <laughs> so worth it, it is, no that honestly i thought you guys would like that tonight from cinema greatness we're going to go to something a bit special i feel spoiler alert um but uh, james it was your pick wasn't it it was yes
1: uh should we do a log line and then we'll get into the nitty-gritty oh
0: yes please and i think that sounds delicious
1: in tonight's film fame-obsessed, mustachioed sociopath and all-round snappy dresser, Rupert Pupkin will do anything to appear on The Jerry Langford Show. That is, other than work hard for the opportunity. The film is, of course, Martin Scorsese's prophetic comedy of manners, The King of Comedy. So will you please give your warmest greetings to the newest king of comedy, Rupert Pupkin.
0: His name is Rupert Pupkin. He lives in a world of make-believe. Oh, Jerry, I love this guy. Always coming up with these great lines. I love him, I love him. Nobody can remember his name. Mr. Pipkin. Mr. Pupnik. Mr. Puffer. Rupert. Pupkin, P-U-P-K-I-N. But by 11.30 tonight, the whole world will know that Rupert Pupkin is the new king of comedy. Robert De Niro. Jerry Lewis. In a Martin Scorsese picture. The King of Comedy King of Comedy James, please tell us Why bring this to our shores?
1: Well, I I must be honest, boys, it wasn't actually my first pick. It wasn't even in my top three picks to do for this episode. So I was, you know, as was, we take it in turns to pick movies and I'm like scouring around for things that it can do. So anyway, the first film I wanted to do was a film called Red Rock West, which is a Nicolas Cage, Dennis Hopper, neo-noir from the nineties. Not available to rent anywhere, At all, on any of the platforms, and you can only get it on uh, Blu-ray, which I own, which is a uh, special edition £15 Blu-ray, so it's not really (laughs) viable. Then I was like, oh, you know what? Catherine Bigelow, one of my favourite directors, let's do Near -Near Dark, her solo directorial debut. Let's do that. Nope, same thing again. Oh, really? What? Yeah. It was on Shudder very briefly, and now it's disappeared off everywhere again.
2: Lance Henriksen again. Yeah, yeah.
1: Good old Lance. And then I thought, alright, oh, okay, well, I've got a backup for Catherine. I'll do Strange Days because that'll be easy to get hold of, seen as it's produced and co-written by one big Jim Cameron. No, that's nowhere either. So then I was like feeling a bit dejected and how like if you don't own physical media, you just can't bloody see anything that's even slightly Ooh. obscure these days. Um and then I saw the uh, trailer for Killers of the Flower Moon, and I thought, you know what, let's get Marty back on the pod and let's do King of Comedy. So coming on to King of Comedy itself. So firstly, the reason I wanted to do this is it's one of De Niro and Scorsese's finest collaborations that along with New York, New York feels the most unheralded across their numerous films together. And I actually believe it's sort of in the top five for both of them. Uh, across their respective careers. And secondly, it's thematically very similar to Taxi Driver, but it's sort of put Mm. together in an entirely different register to that film that may or may not make it even more unsettling than Taxi Driver. So I thought that would be a good jumping off point for discussion as well. So yeah, yeah, I think it's an interesting one to get into and very different sort of Scorsese film in terms of it's not a religious epic, it's not about... It's sort of crime, but not really. It's not crime-adjacent. It's not a big, sweeping epic. It's sort of like an under-two-hour character study.
0: Mm. Can I, James, when did you first see King of Comedy? Uh,
1: I'm quite a late convert to this film, so uh, according to Letterboxd, I saw it for the very first time in 2018. It was one of those that was always sort of talked about as being like low-key one of his... Better films, but you know, was never as celebrated as like your *Goodfellas* and *Taxi Drivers*, *Raging Bulls* uh, of the world. And I just had never got around to it, and it must have been either streaming or on TV or something. And I caught it and just was completely knocked out by it. Uh, as someone who sort of like enjoys the British version of *The Office* and the American version of *The Office* to a certain degree, and Alan Partridge and that sort of cringe humor mm. it was really right up my street and it had a real sort of nasty hostility to it that i really really got on board with quite early and thought oh yeah yeah this is
0: this is a very special film brilliant um I, i've got so many questions but si when did you first i mean what is your relationship with uh king of comedy uh,
2: yeah i saw this a while ago actually um As I've sort of alluded to a few times earlier in the episode, even I've kind of inexplicably been a bit slack when it comes to Scorsese pictures over the years. Like there's so many blind spots in terms of his his output that I haven't seen. But King of Comedy was one I'd actually seen ages ago um, with my brother. I think it was He, he bought it on DVD. Sometime in the noughties when we were both in that phase of like expanding our physical media collection.
0: (laughs) You're going to say expanding our physical form. I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm doing right now, by the way. (laughs) Uh, Yeah,
2: I don't just remember really loving it at the time because I had, it it was one of those where, you know, not being a massive Scorsese fan at the time, you still know of his big movies like Your Goodfellas and um, I think Cape Fear, we had Cape Fear on VHS. And you, you kind of know his, his big, big taxi driver. You know his big movies. But this I'd never heard of. And you're like, how have I never heard this? Robert De Niro's on the front cover. It's done by Mattis Scorsese. I've never seen it. But I remember really enjoying it at the time. Um, and this is... Uh, I hadn't seen it since. So it's been a long time since i
0: watched it again. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a good pick. Yeah, I was very interested by this. Because obviously... Um... We enjoy our Scorsese Scorsi. on these, Oh, Scorsese. We enjoy our yeah. Scorsese on these, on these shows. And this was one I hadn't seen. Um, and I I just knew of the, there was, there were a couple of things that registered with me. One, the, the title King of Comedy. I just did not know how this fit into um, Scorsese's uh, filmography. No idea. Then the poster, you know, the image, the main image of uh, Rupert Pupkin with his arms out, accepting applause. Yeah how that fits in with anything De Niro or Scorsese, I've got no idea. And then the third thing was PG. <laughs> I heard that, like how, how did De Niro and Scorsese, Scorsese come together to make a PG? I've got no idea. So it was always of interest to me, always, but it's one of those, those films that gets, you know, it's always, I'll get round to it one day. And then, so when you picked it, James, I was thrilled, absolutely thrilled um, because it would force the issue with me. Um, But we really need to talk about um, qualification, don't we? And I believe this week we're going to go Critical Reception first. Is that right, Si? Yeah, so King of Comedy might be one of the highest rated
2: films we've covered. Um, Certainly from the perspective of Rotten Tomatoes, where it's currently on 90% for both critical and audience. I do get the feeling it's kind of including a lot of retrospective reviews that's happened you know that have emerged yes. in recent years <laughs> rather than reviews from the time. It's 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 quite an old film. But when was it? Eighty two or something. Eighty two. Yeah. Eighty two. Obviously, on these aggregate sites, they don't really pull in everything. Mm. But it, apparently, it did. Still, did quite well at the time. Um, Ebes rated it three out of four. Uh, time Out called it the creepiest movie of the year in every sense and one of the best. It wasn't all glowing, though. Uh, Pauline Cale of The New Yorker was not a fan, saying Scorsese designs his own form of alienation in this mistimed, empty movie, which seems to teeter between jokiness and hate before um, going on to then take aim at De Niro, saying uh, De Niro in disguise denies his characters a soul. His bravura acting in Mean Streets, Taxi Driver and New York, New York collapsed into anti-acting after he started turning himself into a repugnant flesh effigies of soulless characters. Pupkin is a nothing. <laughs> so, yeah, she really went in on a full boot to the ribcage. Oh, uh, so, yeah, she did not. That's not an like assassination it. job, surely. Oh, gosh, yeah. she is not. I mean, a New Yorker. <laughs> but, yeah, as as mentioned sort of since its release, it has gathered... High acclaim over time with Joyce Millman of Salon proclaiming it's Martin Scorsese's second least popular movie after The Last Temptation of Christ, which is a shame because it's Scorsese's second greatest film after Taxi Driver, which is very high praise. Mm. indeed. I think that Mm. came in the mid 90s. I think that was Um, so obviously there had been a heap of films since since that was said, but even so very, very high, high praise. I've just realised I haven't done the letterboxed one, so I don't know what it is on letterboxed. Um, we can do a live check. Oh yeah, it's probably the highest on letterboxed as well. It's got four point two on there. Whoa, that's unheard so of. That's I don't think we've bit, had a four plus four. Yeah, we very rarely pass the four on letterbox. So yeah, mm. that's a that's a huge one. So yeah, I, I, I certainly think it's one of those films that has gained a better reputation since and the intervening years since it came out. But um, mm. it does not qualify on that respect it's a well received movie
0: so I'm assuming and and just for reference to those for those like myself who hadn't seen it prior to this week um oh you can get it on Disney plus by the way it's right there yeah, yeah. Um, and
1: the the one that always makes rob laugh Pluto TV
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> which is just an ad supported streamer basically that anyone so can fictional. use fictional and they have some right random films on there like proper classics just You've got to know that they're on there though. Like I watched the play of the Robert Altman film on oh, there nice. earlier this year. Um, so it's got that and the King of Comedy. Oh,
0: nice. Um, have, 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 has it got Big Legend? You mentioned I'm not sure. So, check maybe
1: maybe Prime went for the uh, exclusive on Big Legend.
0: I have to be honest, Prime was on. uh, Sorry, Big Legend was on Prime. So yeah, Yeah. there you go. They obviously snaffled the exclusive. Greatness knows greatness. Um, So uh... (laughs) imagine Bezos is super into Bigfoot. After space exploration, that's his next venture. (laughs) Oh, dude, Jeff, if you're listening, please take me along for the ride. (laughs) Honestly, I'll carry your bags. Um, (laughs) That was a bit demeaning, really. Um, So uh, if it doesn't qualify critically, which very much it clearly does not, James... And box office?
1: Yeah, so um following on from Raging Bull and New York, New York, the king of comedy was Marty's third box office bomb in a row and his biggest commercial failure in his career, clawing back just $2.5 million against a production budget of 19. Wow. Uh, bombing even harder than Rupert Pupkin's stand-up routine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which I think we need to talk about whether it bombed or not. <laughs> well, this is the thing we get into unreliability, don't we? This is a big, mm, mm. big focus uh, of this film. Big question marks, yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh,
1: one of my favourite things about Scorsese is like until he like uh, started working with DiCaprio on a regular basis, he was very hit and miss at the box office like things would make money so other things wouldn't but he'd always get critical acclaim which is why they kept on allowing him to make movies but he always has this really funny quote that after he did Colour of Money with uh, Tom Cruise and Paul Newman which was very much a director for hire job mm. and he sort of made it because he needed to make a hit I think, and if you haven't seen Colour of Money, do yourself a favour and just watch that. It's just tremendous fun. Um, And he went, "Ha! I didn't know you could make money making pictures. (laughs) 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 You know, like that. Little funny little (laughs) uncle that he is. So, so, yeah, he was... um, Yes, this uh, this is... Even though, I mean... I read something as well that was coming into this is that he was getting a bit fed up after Raging Bull. He didn't feel like he was satisfied and he was thinking of giving up making narrative films and moving into making documentaries full time. And um, he, he did want to make Last Temptation of Christ. Uh, and he wanted De Niro to play Jesus, which I would have paid incredible money <laughs> to see. <laughs> Imagine Jesus going up against uh, Brooklyn Judas in uh Keitel. Yeah, Harvey Keitel, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it just would have been incredible. Who is it, Defoe? Willem Defoe? Yeah, it? yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, De Niro didn't want to do it, and he wanted to make a comedy instead, and then, um, and he brought Scorsese onto this project, which was apparently going to be directed by Michael Cimino, Oh, wow. Of, uh, the deer hunter, deer hunter to begin yeah. with. But because of
0: overruns on Heaven's Gate, that didn't happen, and uh, and Scorsese was given the job. Mm. Wow. So um, I've checked, $19 million in 1982 is worth $60 million today. So it is a big budget for this kind of movie. <sighs> yeah.
1: I mean, De Niro's a huge star at the time. He's a two-time Oscar winner at yeah. this point. Uh, this is their first collaboration since Raging Bull. And yeah, so it's it's quite a good pivot as well for De Niro, who's obviously made a name for himself playing, you know, tough guys and lunatics at this point. And mm. this is a this is a lunatic, but he's a very different kind of lunatic mm. in this instance. Yeah,
0: I mean let's let's use that as a jump off point um for the movie itself, if that's all right with you guys. Let's get, let's get yeah. into the movie because There's obviously all sorts we need to discuss here. All the main Scorsese players are there. Thelma Shoemaker is uh, editing, and she's also, I think, a production advisor on this one as well. Yeah, production manager, I'm not sure. Production manager, yeah. Something like, yeah. And then you've got De Niro. And this, I I just, obviously going into this very, very cold, I had no idea what this film was about. Yeah. And then we're introduced to Pupkin. (laughs) Yes. Which is a great character, name. As well, it just
1: the way it, the the way in which it gets mangled by various <laughs> different people throughout this <laughs> film. Is, I, I suppose that's a question at the at the top. Did you find did you, particularly Rob because you've not seen it before? Did you find the film funny? Did you think it was a comedy or was it too I, uncomfortable?
0: <laughs> I nearly honestly. So I I. I liked The American Office because it was less cringe than the British one. Yeah. The yeah. British one nearly killed me the first time <laughs> it happened, just how cringe it was. And I don't do well. So I've never watched Phoenix Nights. I can't do cringe at all. Yeah. So this was, honestly, the start of this was as excruciating <laughs> as I could imagine. Because obviously, like, there's a flavour to this film yeah. that you need to acquire you know, like, and I was going in cold. I was unprepared, totally unprepared. And it took me maybe 20 minutes. And then once 20 minutes had gone, it was like, this is just flipping incredible, this. I'm so invested in absolutely everything. And it's about an absolute delusional lunatic. <laughs> <You> yeah, know, <laughs> know what I mean? Like, I and that is the absolute strength. I mean, spoiler, absolute spoiler alert. Forget... The Batman. This is my film of the years. <laughs> so it was. It was absolutely enthralling. Um, I don't honestly. I think. Uh, and the the script, the way it delivers its reveals, not just like reveals, like um, like grand narrative reveals, but yeah. small reveals, like you've heard his name getting slightly butchered, and then you know he says it when he goes up to um the office i know we're diving about and we'll go back yeah, to it yeah. but we're just talking about i'm just giving an overall flavour like when he goes up to the office and he says uh, it's uh p u p k i n it's often misspelled or mispronounced <laughs> like just the small like the intelligence of the writing was out yeah. of this world
1: and i, I think that particular qu- line that you quote there gets to sort of the heart of this is like he's very polite but he's very hostile at all times. He's got this real passive aggressiveness (laughs) to him that he believes that if he's... Yeah, and that's what that is as well.
0: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) It's it's just someone totally unchecked and unguided following their delusion to the point that they feel like it's owed to them... and having like the like no off switch really, or like an off switch that's just a bit further along than most people. I think that's probably the best way, way to put it. Um, but no, you you're just in there. I mean, so we're at we're at the uh, the show, aren't we? Yeah. And he's one of the people trying to get to the front to meet Jerry Lewis.
1: Yes. Or well, Jerry Langford has his Jerry name Langford, in the, in the sorry. It's Jerry, yeah. Ger- Jerry Lewis. Played by Jerry Lewis. Played yeah. by
0: Jerry Lewis, yeah. So I know nothing about Jerry Lewis apart from the name. He is a prominent American celebrity of the time, I believe. Yeah, he's yeah a- be, be, he was
2: huge. Before our time, I
0: think that's probably yeah. why we're yeah. not sort of
2: as familiar with him. But he, he was massive. He was really big. And I think that's why it works so well with him being in this, because he's... Sort of at that age as well where he's he's sort of at the the back end of his career he's had the fame and the and all that um and he's already an established comedian and I think that's why his casting works so well and yeah. um obviously it went down really well as well because he was praised
0: as much as he is brilliant yeah. isn't he he's absolutely brilliant in this
2: yeah very very good at it just he's just like cuts a frustrated man the whole time like I fucking, I'm so sick of all these people like calling me in the street and then you've got these like lunatics waiting for me outside the show and I'm like, oh, for God's sake, he's just, he's just sick of it all.
0: <laughs> it's, it's superb. So I've heard that Scorsese rates this as the best De Niro's ever been for him. Yes. And I don't doubt that, having watched this. I, no. I don't, you know, I, I think De Niro is brilliant in all of Scorsese's films that yeah. I've seen, but this is so different and so painful that it's it, it i can't help but see it higher than a lot of other stuff
1: yeah no I mean, it's such a departure for him mm. in terms of like you know the you know you look at the milestones in his career to this point it's uh vito corleone it's travis bickle jake lamotta these are like you know he's done the deer hunter as well he's playing like yes uh, travis bickle is similar to Pupkin in in a lot of ways mm. but they're much more men of violence and aggression mm. whereas this guy is a full-on nerd and uh, what I love about the way in which uh, Pupkin is introduced here is he, like he's in the throng with all these m- <laughs> maniac autograph collectors <laughs> out, out by the stage door but he's got this like superiority complex to all the other guy like he he sees himself as above all these other People that are out there in the throng waiting to get, and he's like, "Wait!" He just says this one line: "He's like, it's not my life. It's not my life." Because he because this other guy's bragging about this autograph that he got, and then in a later scene, we do find out that he's got hundreds and hundreds of autographs himself. So it is his life. He's just decided that
0: (laughs) he's got cardboard cutouts in his
1: living room. Oh, he's a lunatic! He's, he's, He's. He's it's just mesmerising to watch, and uh, yeah, it's in this point, don't we, that um, Jerry comes out from doing the late night talk show. He gets mobbed. He gets. He, he manages to fight his way through the crowd and gets into his limo. And he's set upon by a woman called uh, who we don't know who this character is at yeah. this point. It's spelled M A S H A, which sounds like Masha to me, but. Hmm. I'm calling her Marsha. And she gets into the into the limo with him and she's like trying to give him a letter. She's infatuated with him. So De Niro, uh, so Pupkin drags him out of the limo, fights them off, manages to get Marsha out of the way and then gets in the limo with him and they drive off. And yeah, and then that, we're off to the races really. Well, that's after just a brilliant title sequence when you have the hands of the woman trapped on the inside of the... Of the limousine in the free into the freeze frame, which is just Marty to a T. So, like he just he does that freeze frame and just puts the credits over it. What I love about the the film is this vibrancy it has whenever it's on the streets in New York. There's something really raw about it and it doesn't feel like it's been, you know, overly choreographed or anything like that. It feels mm. like he's just got a load of extras and then got the camera up off off its sticks and just thrown it into the mayhem and you get the real energy and and it adds to the hostility that's running through the through the film as well because you get a sense like a lot of
2: it feels like the people milling in the background are just real people just walking past this and they're kind of like because you see it in some of the faces like is they're like is this a film or is this is that robert de niro is (laughs) that robert de niro yeah and they're just like they're, they're really trying to figure that out and and you know i i read on the trivia thing that um Jerry Lewis. It was his idea to call the character Jerry because he was like, "Well, because I can just be myself," yeah. And people yeah. would shout at me on the street as if I was Jerry Lewis, and that's apparently what happened. Like builders and stuff would go, "Hey, Jerry!" <laughs> and he's just like, oh, for <laughs> say?" Like, but then they'd film all that and put it in the film, and it worked because that was his his character. How I mean, he was just fed up of this like fame. But yeah, it's great. I I love the um, when it's showing the 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 TV stuff and it's all shot on tape and then. Yeah. So sort of, it kind of looks like it's, it's you're filming a TV screen, doesn't it? I mean, I know that's not what he did, but yeah, that's what it looks like. It's got that like old-fashioned studio TV look. Yeah, and it just looks great. I love that. I, I just love that 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 look of, of It really separates between you know as you say the like gritty New York stuff and then the, the the TV studio things, and it puts it in a real time as well. Like you get a real sense of when it is and where it is as well. Just in these opening sort of five, ten minutes. It's so odd. (laughs) It's like, it's a really odd film. It's so off kilter, you can't settle. It's really creepy and really like disturbing in a lot of ways, but then it's also really funny. And I'm like, should I be (laughs) laughing at this? I don't know if I should be laughing. And it's like, you know, it definitely is, in terms of Pupkin himself, it's very in in that bracket of cringe humour. Like he doesn't realise how embarrassing he is and how embarrassing he's being. Yeah. But there are also some really good comedy beats in it as well, which obviously people weren't sort of used to De Niro doing that at the time. But then you get like Midnight Run coming out a few years later. And, and how a film. funny he is film. in that. And and then, you know, meet the parents and meet the fuckers. And you're like, well, De Niro can do comedy. He's, he's really, you know, he's, he's the full range of what he can do. Oh, yeah. And this is the the sort of... I guess this is the first sort of part of that where people go, oh, hang on, De Niro can... He's a funny guy. Yeah, he's a funny guy.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I really love it. I always found the people who like hunt for autographs really weird as well, because I used to film... Yeah. I used to film red carpet interviews, and it was always the same people, like every time, just waiting for celebrities, and they would scream at them as if they were their biggest fan but they were doing that same shtick to every single person who would come on the red carpet and it was so bizarre it was just this really odd thing they had where it was like oh i feel the need i'm gonna stand on this red carpet for hours just to get a passing glimpse of this celebrity who may or may not sign me an autograph (laughs) which i've never understood the autograph thing either i'm like what use is that i don't understand a book of squiggles i don't oh so you met that person all right well done
1: yeah i think it's a big <laughs> salon market um I'm, uh, you know where uh, matt damon's been on the oppenheimer um media rounds uh before he went on strike and uh i don't know he they got to talking about autograph hunters and he was talking to some of them about you know big signatures that they'd got and how much money they went for and like he'd come off out with the airport and they'd have these autograph hunters there and they'd have a stack of like matt damon headshots and he'd like start going through and he'd like get to know them because he was interested in this world and he was like well how much does mine go for because i was like well like ten dollars. So apparently, him and Ben Affleck hadn't had a bet to see who could <laughs> sign the most autographs to sort of saturate the market and drive the price down on their own <laughs> autographs. <laughs> but yeah, there's uh, in the research for for this film. Apparently, uh, De Niro was like so obsessed with like getting into character back in the day, doing crazy stuff. So he was like, he got obsessed with autograph hunters and he went and talked to them and stuff like that. And he actually. He knew about a stalker, one of his long term stalkers. He went over and talked to him mm. and basically got to know him and understand where he was coming from. And he's like, Well, what do you want from me? He's like, Oh, you know, just to go out for a drink and have dinner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is insane. And this
1: is just insane level of research. To... Oh, my word. And you can see that in the Pupkin character you can, as yeah. well. But I think with Pupkin, it's more sinister because he doesn't want to be friends with Jerry. He wants to replace Jerry. Oh, do you think Mm -hmm. so? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because all of his fantasies are about him being the superstar on the show or Jerry begging him to take over the show or Jerry being so in awe of his comedy writing ability. I mean, the setup of the film is that he ends up in the limo with him and he's like, I'm a stand-up comedian uh, and I think I should be on your show. I've been honing my act for for so long and he's like well he gives him like good advice you know just go out and perform it at some clubs and blah 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 and this is where the comedy of manners comes in it's just he won't have that at all so in order to get rid of him he goes you know what just ring my office and ask for this person and then they'll they'll set you up, and we'll and we'll take it from there. It's just like he just needs to get out of the car from this insufferable doofus. It won't,
0: it won't <laughs> leave him alone. Basically. I can't deal with him talking no about
1: this. <laughs> yeah, oh. I, I mean, characters like this are just fascinating to me because I get embarrassed so easily, and I feel like secondhand embarrassment for other people so easily. <laughs> so when I see someone on screen who is just like doesn't have that filter at all, and just or doesn't care about. How much of a fool of themselves they're making? Yeah, it just—it's just absolutely captivating to me. And in that same way that, like, you like, you know, chewing on your fingers or hiding behind a cushion. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and that sort of sets up the plot from there in out. As far as uh, Pupkin's concerned, he is. Him and Jerry are now friends, and he's going to be on the show. Uh, as as emphasised
0: by he, so we cut kind of hard from their first meeting to them in a, in a restaurant together, like I love getting along famously so and, and Jerry's begging him to take over the show for six weeks and he's refusing. And he's like, you know, what do you want? The tears from my eyes, you know, <laughs> all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and he's, oh, it's just, and, and he's got people coming up asking for autographs and all this. And it's and ignoring, all,
1: Jerry. Yeah. ignoring
0: Jerry. yeah, Yeah. And it's all in his head. Like we cut, Incredible. This Surely this, at the time, was so ahead of its time, this style of um, unreliable narrator storytelling.
2: Yeah. And it's because he's having that conversation with him, but then it's cutting his responses in with what he's actually doing when he's at home in a different (laughs) outfit as well. And it's kind of like, hang on, he's, he's in a different... What's going on? And then you're like, oh, he's obviously just daydreaming and just imagine the whole thing. And then you've got that classic thing of where you hear like an off-screen mum like yeah. shouting in the background. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's like what
2: are you doing? What are you doing,
1: Ruben. <laughs> <It's laughs> Can like, you keep it down, alone, <laughs> It's so good. It's so good. So we never see his mum, who is obviously played by Martin Scorsese's mother. But then later, when he does his act, you know, just just to sort of jump ahead, he references the fact that his mother has died. So is it sort of like a, um, oh, a psycho type situation
0: where? Oh, where he was thinking.
1: Yeah, yeah. Imagining is she gone? That
2: as well, or is that part yeah.
1: of his?
0: Oh, I've but this is the thing
1: that. you don't know because he's delusional, so you don't know what is real or no, yeah. what right. isn't.
0: I, so I, I didn't think that if push came to shove, he'd be able to kill anyone. No. That that was just my own personal take, but I don't think there's any definitive answer on this. No. So to get rid of him, obviously, we know that um, Lewis has said, um, get in touch with my um, secretary, and uh, they'll arrange a meeting. And obviously, this this canons pupkin along into thinking they have a friendship. Um it's like not to 60 in, not <laughs> point, no time at all. It's ridiculous because
1: the first thing he does is he goes to this dive bar, doesn't he, where he bumps oh, into yeah. Rita, who was like obviously a, a very popular girl from his high school who sort of kind of remembers him, but not really. Yeah. And he takes her out on a date immediately, and then he basically just... L- Outlines her next ten years essentially, and he's right on front street. I mean, what I would like to uh, put forward is this: a worse date than the one that Travis Bickle goes on with Sybil Shepherd. Just going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Taxi driver.
2: It's a similar sort of like outcome and behaviour, isn't it? From the the, it's such a good parallel because having uh, I watched Taxi Driver like a week ago during my Robert De Niro marathon. (laughs) They're such good companion pieces, the two of these films, because it's like Travis Bickle just hates New York and he's disgusted by it, and that's what sort of drives him a bit mad. But then here you've got Pupkin who's just so optimistic and enamoured by like mm. the glamour of New York. Yeah. He's just like a polar opposite, but then they're equally on this like one-way road to just doing something really bad yeah (laughs) absolutely (laughs) you know it's very self-destructive and 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 this day is like a key point in both of those films in in this film and taxi driver where they're 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 having this really awkward oh it's
0: awful it's so plain i think um diane abbott is brilliant in this yeah Um... she's really good Really, really it's De Niro's wife at the time, isn't it? Yeah. Is that, is that true? I didn't know that. That's true. Yeah, yeah, they were married at, at the time. They were married at the of, time, at the yeah. Time of filming. So could you imagine the absolute madness of taking your wife to work and then <laughs> being this, <laughs> this awkward with her?
1: Well, poor her. She's probably been living in with him for the best part of two months well, as he gets true, into character. Because yeah, yeah. he was very method back in the day. <laughs>
0: Oh, do I have to go and, and, and meet Pupkin on camera? Oh, that's a change. <laughs> Great.
1: Well, maybe that's why she's so sort of at ease with him and not as like put off as she might be if she hadn't already seen all the work that had gone into the <laughs> this It's before. very it's true, already. yeah. Possibly. Because she's sort of just like, yeah, whatever, these are all pipe dreams. But she's not
0: completely creeped out by him, even though he's... No, but there's also there's a hope element. Yeah. Isn't it that, that she, that he might be, you know, for all the grandstanding and all the nonsense that he might be the golden ticket for her out of her predicament or her current situation or whatever, you know, yeah. because she was talking about, I mean, you know, her character is laden with regret. She talks about herself, you know, like, oh, yeah, the, the near beauty queen who works in a dive bar, that kind of thing. You know, she gives herself a really hard time. Yeah. And I think she's a really interesting character and very pivotal as it comes out as well. You know, very, very pivotal. But also part of all the ghastly cringe and pain that it's (laughs) become. (laughs) Um, And it's all about a tape from here, isn't it? You know, like the tape of, right. Pupkin wants to get a tape sorted for. Well, first
1: um, he goes in and he's got nothing at all. I'd like to see Jerry. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, and then it's that poor receptionist, she's just like, she's just like, "Well, do you have an appointment?" It's like, "Oh no, no, no." Me and Jerry discussed this. He's, he just wants to go. He doesn't want much. to put in any of the work at all to be to become a successful comedian. As far as we know, he's never done a gig ever in his life he never says anything especially funny he's not especially witty in any way at all he just is convinced that he is the king of comedy and that he belongs on this show already so he goes there with no tape no material whatsoever and then they manage to like sort of get him out of there because um i love this actress who plays uh kathy long i've, I've not got her name oh, to hand, yeah but i think she's really good at dealing with him she essentially. is excellent like way more polite than she needs to be. And then, yeah, she convinces him that he needs to do a tape. And then, is it when he goes out of the building that we realise that he knows Marsha, who was in, yes. the, um, in the limo? Yes, that's right, yeah. And yeah, and then it's like, as soon as they start interacting, you're like, oh God, there's two of them.
0: <laughs> and, I mean, right, let's talk about Marsha for a moment. I mean, she's... What a performance. That oh, is. she's incredible honestly. performance. This is one of the great, I, honestly, I think this is one of the great character performances I've ever seen. I yeah, think.
1: Sandra Bernhard is the is the actress. Mm. I mean, and they're just arguing in the streets, going absolutely insane, trying to one-up each other. Like, did you give Jerry the, the letter? Like, she's completely infatuated with Jerry Langford. Mm. She, like, wants to have a romantic relationship with him. And Pupkin is like, no, no, I can't be seen with you. You're a nut job. <laughs> they're just both mm. screaming at each other. <laughs> You're delusional. People in the
0: street
2: looking at them like, oh Yeah. <laughs> is this where, where he pulls his sandwich out? He's got a briefcase, hasn't he? Walking yeah. around and he just pulls his sandwich out of his briefcase. Like, like, oh, so what was it? That just might be sound. after
1: he's recorded the tape and because, because she <laughs> chases Jerry through oh, the street that's right. at one point, yes. which is so funny. Like he's he knows who she is. He sees her coming yeah. and he starts running and he's got a really funny run.
0: <laughs> it is funny.
1: And she chases him into the building and they've been telling him all day he's been waiting in the in the waiting room for Jerry to listen to his tape. I mean, him recording the tape is one of the funniest things ever <laughs> when he's like trying to give the whole context and he's just a preamble. And what I love about this is you don't hear any jokes at all from him No, at this stage. No. So we don't even know if he's good. We think he's probably rubbish, but we don't know for sure.
0: Uh, yeah, that does add so much to the... <laughs> Uh I don't know that the narrative intrigue for sure. Yeah. You know, you wanna know I actually want to know at this point. Is he right, is he any good at this? Is there anything behind this? Whereas Marsha, bless her, I mean, this is full on maniac stalker territory. Oh, yeah.
1: Absolutely, yeah. She is a she is a garden variety obsessed stalker. <laughs> like.
0: Yes. Um but what a performance. What yeah, a performance. Really um, funny as well. and that's really funny how go, she goes together. back and forth with him. Like They're just screaming
1: at each other. Absolutely yeah. pair of delusional weirdos.
0: You know, you'd love to think, I'd love to think in an alternate universe, like they looked at each other at one point and said, hang on, we'd be pretty good for each other, and just <laughs> went off together. You God, know, like, imagine was,
1: their children.
0: <laughs> imagine their wedding. Imagine their lives.
1: But he's got like this real superiority complex over her. He does, well. does yeah. So much better than that. It. It's like you're just as bad. If-
0: <laughs> yeah. It's is frightening, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so um, he makes this take and hands it in, and she's uh, and uh, is it long? Uh, Kathy Long, yes. Cathy Long is like she's uh, like
1: is she a secretary or like a uh, like an associate producer or something? Yeah, like something that,
0: yeah. like that. Yeah. And says, you know, we'll make sure we have an answer for you. And she gives him a lot of time, you know, like too much time, like you say, James, like too, too good to him, really. But watching him in the office is amongst my favourite scenes of the film, just the excruciating manner in which he sits. And looks around the room and nods at people, and you know all. This. Oh, he's such a brilliant. Yeah, when the receptionist has to tell him creation. to get
1: out as well. It's like this is a reception area, not a waiting room. <laughs> 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 the, the
2: timing of when she says like, oh, we'll we'll, we'll get back to you. We'll, you know, we'll take a listen and get back to you. And then he waits for her to walk off and then goes. But when will that be? <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, he's just like, <laughs> yeah. Well, and then she's like, oh, for God's sake, just go. And she's like, what <laughs> yeah. is the best answer here that will get him out of the building? It's, and, and then he's like, it's all right, I'll just I'll just wait. And it's like, oh, it's got to be like days, mate. Don't just wait.
2: <laughs> so, but the, the timing is so good. It's
1: really funny. This is it's like really what, funny. like, you know, people who are like sociopathic in this way, they just have no concept that that the world exists outside of themselves and, and their needs yeah. and their wants and their own selfishness. And he's just like, well, why won't he just listen to this right away? Like, not that he's yeah. not how could he yeah, exactly, possibly yeah. have anything else to do other than listen to my tape <laughs> after we had that conversation
0: in his limo last night? Honestly, guys, I'm am t- t- this. Just talking about this is stressing me out so much. <laughs> I got such a tension headache. Just a level it, of unreasonableness, which is it just- is, isn't it? But like, you know, like when so. They take the tape. Um, he's convinced it's going to be good, you know, obviously. And then he goes round and she says, no, you know, it's, we think you should go. And again, she's dead reasonable. We think you should go to the, the clubs and work on your material and the clubs get some live audience reaction. And then we'll take it from there. And uh, he's like, she walks off and he, he, this is the first time you see anything sinister, really sinister, isn't it? Like, well, no, you're wrong. You know, and he follows her and said, No, with respect, you're wrong, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah,
1: But there is no respect at all. It's like And do, no, there you, do you speak no. do you speak for Jerry? Yes, yes, and our, I mean, he trusts our opinion. He's like, Well uh, he's like, No, I disagree, yeah. I
0: disagree. Oh, it's too much, it's too much. And that this obviously sets him on a course.
1: Yes. He gets thrown out of the building, then Marshall winds <laughs> him up outside, so he storms back in again. <laughs> <laughs> And he goes. He just goes running through the. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> through yeah! the back office, Jerry, Jerry, and then when he's it's so he slapstick. The gag, it, yeah, it's yeah. so good. Yeah, I mean, I
2: just think it's really, really funny. Mm. It's way funnier than I remember because I remember thinking like, oh, it's like like sort of dark hue. I mean, it is still dark hue, but it it's one of those where it's not like laugh out loud humour, but then I was watching it yesterday and I was laughing a lot at it. I thought it was a, it's a really sharp and funny film and it's all down to the performances, I
1: think, more than anything. Yeah, because yeah. they improv a lot as well on that. because I believe oh, really? this script was actually written in the 70s and it does feel like a 70s movie and, and the style really of does. comedy yeah, is sort does, of very yeah. 70s as well. But they obviously improv a lot to make it more contemporary. In dialogue exchanges, and uh, yeah, that works really well. So, having f- that failed gambit of trying to storm the office to find Jerry, he uh, he drags Rita into things and decides oh, he's just wow. going to go and <laughs> spend the weekend at Jerry's summer. House. Oh my god! Oh, so no. I was
2: I was watching this bit going like because you, you 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 kind of. A lot of the film, you're trying to figure out what's real and what's yeah, because sort of he has so many like. different
1: fantasies. You can always tell it's fantasies because it's really clunky and it's not very yeah. as slickly put together as the rest of the film. Purposely so, because it's him imagining all these things, and he's just a witless buffoon. Essentially, yeah. And so this yeah.
2: starts, and I'm like, oh, it's another one of his fantasies where he's going to go for a nice. You know, lunch at Jerry's house, but then you quickly realize it. No, no, this is actually actually happening. He's actually going to visit, and uh, <laughs> he's awful. dragging it, poor Rita down
0: with him. Because she thinks, in good faith, she's going there on invitation. Yeah. Ugh. Who is this butler? Because he, he is so funny. <laughs> he's so good,
2: isn't
1: he? Mr. Lenford, I'm sorry to disturb you, sir. Uh, what's wrong? Everything's wrong. Uh, there are uh, a couple over here. Uh, he His name is uh, 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 Pumpkin. Pumpkin, yes. Do you know the name Pumpkin?
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, you know, hang on a minute. This is where I turn fully against Jerry. You know, having these lovely people in his home and treating him this way. <laughs> Don't like that. Do not like that. So, I yeah.
2: honestly think, like... Jerry Lewis is so funny in this film because he's he just, he's like a reluctant participant
0: in the movie. He doesn't yeah. he just doesn't want to be there at all. <laughs> he's <laughs> put, I, it's, I think that's what makes the performance work so well. Yeah, in the context of it, like, He's like he just he's so, so put upon up all the time, like crying <laughs> out loud,
2: just interrupted his round of golf in his little <laughs> tiny shorts. Oh, like, and he turns up with his
1: iron. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like oh Jerry did you have did you have a good golf game and like and then he's just like trying to style it out I mean what did he think was going to happen
0: he's got he's got Rita playing his record
1: or is he he so delusional at this stage that he's convinced himself that he was really invited it's monstrous the whole thing is monstrous (laughs) Delusion is a word that is said
2: a lot during this, and it's it, a very it's a key key theme of the movie. It's
1: the key describer for uh, yeah. Pumpkin because <laughs> he's just not living in the same world as everybody else.
0: Uh, yeah, but watching him go through these delusions, watching him so steadfast in his course of wanting to be famous, and, and like you say, he yeah, wanted to take over from <laughs> Jerry Lewis, uh, Jerry Lang-, Lang Langford, yeah. Mm-hmm. Langford. Thank you. It's just so fun to watch. It's just it's just an electric watch. This film, yeah, um, and it obviously doesn't go so well. And he's it, this is where like leave. the real
1: world sort of comes in on his yes. fantasies now, isn't it? And like Jerry completely rejects him. He's absolutely fuming, apparently as well. I, I mean, I got this off IMDb, so I don't know if it's true or not. But basically, they were trying to sustain Jerry Lewis's anger to keep him in character. So apparently, um, off camera, De Niro was hurling anti-Semitic abuse at him. And he was getting really, really annoyed. And then he'd go straight into the scene. What? Afterwards. But that's off the IMDb. I don't know how true any of that is. What? But yeah, it was... uh, Yeah, you know, De Niro was a a full-on method actor. Back in the day.
0: It's just bananas. Yeah. Even thinking about that is just bananas.
1: Yeah,
2: I mean, I wouldn't put it past Method De Niro, though, to, to be doing stuff like that. Yeah.
1: But, uh, Apparently, Lewis, who had never worked with Method actors, was shocked and appalled but delivered an extremely credible
0: performance. <laughs> He's <was> absolutely furious. <laughs> Paul is such a good. Word. I just like
2: again on the trivia thing where just like Jerry Lewis just dismissing of all the praise, just like I was not that good at it. I was just really just being
1: myself, and it's uh, no really really good. Mate. It does because like, he's really, sort of the straight really man. Everybody else around him is the crazy person. He's yeah, like yeah. yeah. He's just put upon, and everybody else oh, is yeah. just a whirling dervish around him. He Um, needs to be
0: good for this to work. He needs to get this right for it to work, and he does get it right, and it does work. Uh, And they go back home. And is this
1: where he has the fantasy about the wedding on the on the (laughs) Jerry Langford show? Which is just all of his fantasies are just so lame as well. It's so good. Petty. It
0: is the pettiness is what like you know um, when when. He's in this fancy, He's introduced on stage to his old head teacher. Who didn't write and They make him apologise. Yeah, they make him apologise. <laughs> you know, Sorry for ever being mean to you. <laughs> we were wrong. In the wedding of ours, We were wrong. Oh, it's so good. Um, and Rita being, you know, again... Daydream, Rita, being dragged along for this ride is is way too painful to watch. When in fact, you know, she's gone home nursing the fact that she went on this wild goose chase to Cherry Langford's house <laughs> Got
1: and broke in, out. essentially, <laughs> and got thrown out. Oh, I'd love to have seen the car ride back
0: between Pupkin and Rita. <laughs> so, Pupkin would have styled it out. You know he would have. Like, it was just a bad day for him. Just a bad day. He, you know... Oh dear! So the the uh, this is when Ma- uh, Marsha and uh, yeah things came. kick up a gear from here. Yeah, and they just they do it on the streets. The worst kidnapping! <laughs> like they drop the gun in I mean, the gun. i mean, the gun is so
1: fake looking
0: as well when <laughs> <laughs> when you yeah. see it in close up, and he's dressed
1: in like a Bahama shirt. And they've both got these cataract <laughs> sunglasses. <got> <laughs>
0: It's brilliant. It's
2: Rob, you said it earlier, like, I don't think he's capable of killing. And this is the scene where it's like, yeah, they're not really capable of doing something that bad. Because the way they do this kidnapping is just so ridiculous. With the plastic
0: gun and the big stupid sunglasses. It's so good. It adds so much to the enjoyment. Again, is it? So I know that there's nothing in it that would constitute it not being a PG. Apart from arguably the suggestion of what Marsha does in a little bit, yeah, but there's yeah, there's nothing that really goes over that. But tonally, yeah, what these people are doing is not uh, <laughs> PG material. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. not. No. I, I'm
1: surprised it hasn't been reclassified to at least a twelve because mm. it is. Yeah, there's there's some very sinister stuff going on. With it in the theme, it's like there with is the a, um, Yeah. Do you remember the the old apocryphal tale about Toby Hooper trying to get a, a PG for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre because there's not actually any violence shown in it. And like, <laughs> because you don't see any blood or any guts or anything like that, it's just all suggestive, it's all in your mind. Like, no, it was like, well, give me some cuts and I'll cut it and get it down to a PG. It's like, we can't, it's the atmosphere of the film. Yeah, 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 yeah. You could not so take good. anything out of this that would make us release it as a PG because it is just too oppressive and upsetting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, this it, is very no, much the true. same
1: way, but it's yeah, it's got um, it's got that old PG rating on there. I didn't know it was a PG. That's yeah, that's, yeah. That's
0: so uh, on Disney, it's rated as nine plus. <laughs> yeah, <there's laughs> loads of nine-year-olds flipping just love like kidnap movies on, on a
2: Disney platform as well, which you could easily just <laughs> stumble across. Oh, I'm gonna search for comedy, and King of Comedy comes. Oh, I Seriously, liked like well. to I'll see the meet the
0: parents. I'll, I'll yeah. watch that. <laughs> Uh, right who's is this Marsh's place yes she's a rich kid so where they hole him up Cherry <laughs> like <a> <laughs> is just astonishing it's just an amazing amazing place and they've duct taped him up having made the cue cards is really funny Oh, so good. unbelievable bargain with the studio the, the, the king <sighs> is coming
2: but it's just like that when they make that phone call and like the, the studio don't believe it. it's Jerry <laughs> <Keep hanging laughs>
0: yeah, multiple it. times yeah, who do they think it is M- 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 Marty or something they're like they Mart- some Martina is this to- you again <laughs>
2: And he's just oh for God's sake! But <laughs> the kid when when he's going through the cue cards and
1: he's getting him to read the cue card, then he just botches it completely. He's got them in the wrong <laughs> just, order. He's got like three words on every cue <laughs> card.
0: <laughs> he's like, it's so awful. you've
1: got an empty
2: one. That's upside down. It's like oh, oh I can't do it. And then he mm. reads it out, and then he finishes it, and then on the phone, and he goes like, "It's not grammatically <laughs> correct, but I think you get
0: the gist." <laughs> <laughs> And the gist is that he, on on receipt of Jerry Langford going home safely in reverse, they've got to have given airtime to the King, yeah. who is going to show up at the studio. Like obviously, the King is Pupkin. He's going to show up later and do a tight few minutes. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. And, and then, then leave. he agrees to lead the FBI to where. Uh... Where uh, where he's got Langford held captive, essentially. Yeah. But he wants to he wants to make sure it's it, that it gets broadcast at half eleven at night, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's all past the gig as the well. The
1: reasons that will then become clear oh, yeah, gosh, later. Yeah. <sighs> so anyway, they go ahead with the gag, and he's like, uh, "I'm sorry, Jerry, I'm going to have to tape you up and." <laughs> I don't know if it does a straight hard cut to him and Marshall just sat across from each other If It goes to another scene and then comes back. But the <laughs> amount of tape that they put on yeah. Jerry Langford is just one of the funniest things I have ever seen. Like He can't move. He <laughs> just looks like a turtle. <laughs> you,
2: you just get the, like, the shot of like, De Niro just unraveling the tape. Like... And then it cuts and he's just, it's the most ridiculous, like, (laughs) shitty, just excessive taping. Uh, Yeah, so that was one of the things I laughed out loud at. And then when it goes back again and Marsha is trying to seduce him and all the candles. And it's like, you just imagine her like off screen while Pupkins in the studio. And she's just lighting all these candles, trying to suggest. There's
0: uh, about 300 candles. They're all over, they're down the hall, they're in other <laughs> rooms. It's obscene. And it, like she's pouring wine for them, but he can't drink. <laughs> He's his his mouth's taped shut, and his arms are underneath that sweater of tape that he can't get out on. And this is where, again, I think also Marsha. Um, what are you saying uh, the actress's name was again, uh, James? Sandra Bernhardt, was it? Bernhardt,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, she is so brilliant. Yeah, because so she's just brilliant. monologuing, isn't she? It's just a stream yeah. of
1: consciousness. Yeah,
0: and she convinces... So, yeah, this is sort of, we split between the two locations and she's trying to seduce Jerry and the clothes coming off is just horrendous. It's just, <laughs> like, honestly, I can feel the cringe and the whole uncomfortableness soaring at this point and um at the same time pupkin is on set and he's just brilliant with everyone like he knows he's getting arrested immediately after yeah. he just <laughs> wants that five minutes on stage just give him that and he's fine
1: uh, uh, there's a great beat <gasps> again with um with the actress who plays uh cathy long and where he she's like oh mr pupkin what are you doing here and then he goes i'm the king and she goes oh, of of course it's you. Like, she didn't register because she just thought he was a weird dude. And then when he reveals it, it's like, yeah, of course, of course it's you. Of course you're the one who's behind this. It's just, it's chilling. Yes. It's like really chilling. chilling.
0: And he styles it out again. He's like, yes, so should we go backstage? You know, like that kind of thing. I need to get in the (laughs) makeup. Oh, that's when he's talking to the FBI. The FBI scenes are absolutely astonishingly good. Who's the guy who they, like, they try and arrest by thinking he's the... So, obviously, because
2: uh,
1: the way I interpreted that is that <laughs> this, is really they funny. had to keep it under wraps, what was happening. And this poor guy who's an uh, author yeah. who's supposed to be on the yeah. show has, has been bumped off the show, basically. <laughs> but nobody told him. <laughs> so they think he must be the, uh, the kidnapper. <laughs> and, the, and that's when Pumpkin sneaks onto the set. It's so he's brilliant. Yeah, because because he's got the, he's trying to get his name, and you go, but your
2: ID's different to so what he said. Is ah, oh, it's, it's a pseudonym. I'm an author. he's like, why would you do that? he's like, well, that's my
1: business. I'm an author. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's really good. <laughs> <exchange>. <laughs>
1: I like uh, Tony Randall, who's stepping in for uh, for Langford as well. You know the uh, oh yes, yeah, he's very good on the uh, on the old monologue. But like uh, we get a cameo from Marty as well, don't we? Yeah. We do, yeah, yeah, gorgeous. lovely, gorgeous cameo. Yeah, gorgeous, thin, young Martin Scorsese. He's like he's, he's very quite good. Likes, in it, so. He quite likes uh, <laughs> Pupkin's writing on the on the opening <laughs> monologue. Yeah, yeah, Tony Randall.
0: yeah. I think the monologue worked. Again, and then and then you get like this moment that we're all building up to, really, which is where Pupkin gets his But
1: again we cut away from it before he comes out on you're the right, We right. cut away because he doesn't we don't see it until he then So he does his five minutes, he comes off stage, we hear applause, but we never see the audience reaction. Yeah. Then he then goes to the FBI, right, yep, yeah, come on, we've got to go to this bar at this time to watch the show and then I'll take you to Jerry and Lo and behold, he takes them to Rita's bar where she's working, goes up on the bar, changes the channel. And this is when we see his type five.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And it's all through the grain and fuzz of the television set, isn't it? Yeah. He's a weird character, uh, Pupkin, because
2: as sort of deranged as he is and delusional as he is, I was on his side by the end. as <laughs> Well, I was yeah. kind of sympathetic towards him because I was—I wanted him to do well, sort of thing. I was like willing him to do well. You're way more sympathetic towards this than him. Than say you are with Travis Bickle. who's oh, just, yeah, like completely lost his mind. Um, but here it's it's totally different. Like I I was hoping that he'd do well. I don't think he did well, <laughs> but I was really hoping it would be a good stand up, and it would. And everyone would go, oh, he's actually really good. Oh, happy ending, blah, blah, blah. But obviously we're not going to – that's not how it
0: is. (laughs) No, I I think it's just an example of of just mesmerizingly good storytelling and writing this because it makes Pupkin all the more tragic. Yeah. You know, because – so let's say if this is, you know – what did he say you know he said well i just take things from that happened in my life and make them funny you know that's how he works on his act kind of thing yeah uh he says that at some point earlier on in a dream so whether this but that's what exactly what he does here in this what could be another dream i just don't know it's just like every time there's some lines in it where it's so painful to listen to like you know my my father kicked me in the stomach for good luck like wow, what a lie. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. oh man. And I, I end up, like like you say, so feeling really sorry, desperately sorry. And it's like one of those, like, there's the joke, you know, like, obviously we all make fun of our own situations to make light of it and to, in a lot of ways, to deal with it or whatever. But in this instance, it also goes such a long way to explaining the character. Yeah. Explaining the origins of the character as well. Um, So, yeah, I ended up, Sort of really loving Pupkin in the end <laughs> <laughs> which is insane. Like totally insane. It
1: does. I think that's very good that the the resist the what will have been discussed and was actually put forth by Jerry Lewis that Lewis suggested an ending in which Rupert Pupkin kills Jerry, but it was turned down and that would just be taxi driver then. Or, it would, yeah. or no, worse, it would, it would be it would, yeah. it would be Joker. Because that's basically what happens in Joker, mm. is that he becomes obsessed with a with a talk show host and he goes on the talk show and he murders him. Like so, Jerry Lewis would have really. I think he might be dead now, Jerry Lewis. So I, I don't know if he, he saw is, Joker yeah. before he passed, he but uh, I think he would have enjoyed that because it has the ending <laughs> that he wanted for the King of Court. <laughs> no, sadly. Uh,
0: well, 2017. I don't know when Joker came out, but yeah, I think it was after, it was that, after that, that, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. and uh, he he gets carted off. Yeah. And the the FBI is saying, you know, if you wrote that material, you know, it, you know oh what did he say it's so harrowing again. But it's it, yeah, it it's, it's just it's brilliant. Um they didn't rate it plus <laughs> they, they didn't know they didn't rate it but and and meanwhile Jerry Langford has escaped mid uh, seduction attempt by Marsha he sprints out pulling bits of tape off his ankles <laughs> down the street and she runs off down the street chasing him in her underwear, which is like, so yeah. unedifying. Um, and then he stops at a, uh, a TV
1: store, doesn't he? And oh, Pupkin's yes. face is filling all the screens yes, in, the, yes. in the store window.
0: Oh yes, there's this amazing epilogue
1: where. Now this is this is the question because again this is very similar to Taxi Driver. Taxi Me and, Driver, me and Simon yeah. were
0: discussing this the other,
1: the other week, weren't we, about the ending of Taxi Driver, whether yeah. it's a dream sequence or if it really happened or not. And this one is it's the same. It's almost the same ending. Like, did he he went to prison for six years for kidnapping Jerry? <laughs> <laughs> but it turned him into like a, an overnight sensation and then he like wrote a memoir when he was in prison and then had a, a, the film was being a, the film rights were being, were being lobbied for and then he had his own show to come back to when he came out now is that a fantasy or did that really happen what's your what's your take on it uh, f- cuz i would have
2: said it was a fantasy but then having spoke to you james about the taxi driver one and then how you <laughs> How you got? Because I watched Taxi Driver and thought, oh, yeah. this is surely um, a delusion of him. Like he believes what he's done has created this hero and blah blah blah. And then you said to me, it "Was like, yeah, but that is that not what the media would do?" And you're like, "Oh God, yeah, they would." Uh, <laughs> so it's like, is that what people would do? Like they would find this crazy kidnapper guy fascinating and entertaining, and yeah. would give him all that he wants, and it would be like people probably would buy his memoir <laughs> if he wrote one. So, it's yeah, it's, it of is exactly the same. Yeah. It's exactly the same ending as um, Taxi Driver in that in that sense, where it's
0: like you can read it
1: both ways. Absolutely, Absolutely yeah. I think it's a killer ending. I think it's really, It's really amazing, good.
0: yeah. I, and I definitely think it's real. I yeah. definitely think this is what happened. Yeah, right, you I think know, it's real. I think because, it's real? Because this is – you're right, because I think this is also a little bit of a – uh, Scoresley having a pop at the media as well. I yeah, think you absolutely. know, and a lot of this, uh, you know, so much of this is Scoresley having a, yeah. a pop at the media and making a social comment about this. But like, definitely for me, that yeah. someone who kidnap, picture someone kidnapping, I don't know, Graham Norton in this country, <laughs> right, and then make graham norton you know like nicky's you know someone turning up on the sofa instead of graham norton and then going to prison <laughs> who are the guests on years? that episode <laughs> <laughs> Right, no,
1: rupert pumpkin's <laughs> filling in for graham norton who are the guests because
0: he now, brings them the all out at the same time around. aren't
1: they yeah 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 uh, so we're all just chatting
0: there yeah <laughs> oh, who could we have uh well, I, is it topical because we could go full Bob Oppenheimer <laughs> Margot Robbie, Chris Nolan, Greta Gerwig, Murphy. and Killian Murphy, yeah. We could have all four. <laughs> yeah. And they're all just like, Who's this guy? Who is this? And and then and then you know, but then like afterwards, like, yeah, I'm the guy that literally kidnapped my way onto the primetime television of course you're going to read that book. Of course he's yeah. going to end up with his own show. Of course, This is exactly how the media works. Of course it yeah. is. See, now, for me, uh,
1: with Taxi Driver, I think that what happens is the reality of what happens because of the people that he murdered and the way that they framed that, uh, that story of him saving young Jodie Foster, that that seems like a righteous act. With The King of Comedy, I think it's all a fantasy. Mm. I think he's... I think they'd, th- they'd throw him in jail and lock away the key, to be honest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two, hours, eight, sorry, two years, eight months seems really lenient. Yeah, you. he got six
1: years, but got out for good behaviour, I think, and he was in a minimum security.
0: I think, think he, he was, would get out for yeah. good behaviour, yeah, though, because I think he he's, he's harmless, I think. Of course really. he would. And the amount of letters he'd get in prison as well. You know, I mean, yeah, it's very hard, hard isn't it? Out. I think
1: what threw me to thinking it was a fantasy this time is the way, at the end of the film, the camera just holds... On De Niro and his face, and all you hear is the applause, 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 and then we don't—he doesn't ever go in to his act at all. Yeah, and yeah. we've all said yeah. that we thought his act was was poo. So,
0: like... I, I thought it was good. No. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seems Solid far stuff. worse. Yeah. Solid stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah no no I love it that the, the thing that we didn't find out though which probably makes me think it might be a dream is the fact that we never cut to marsha on a psych ward <laughs> in a straitjacket jabbering to herself being arrested afterwards yeah <laughs> yeah so so we've got to the end of the movie what are your favorite bits guys
1: um, the, the summer house the summer
0: house is absolutely oh, yeah, brilliant that's so hard to from overlook. the
1: minute they arrive and he just blags his way in there gives the uh, <laughs> gives the butler Jono uh, his cases and just spins in the story and Jono gets straight onto the phone to Jerry and he's like I'm having a heart attack here they're in there they're touching stuff I don't know what <laughs> He just, his delivery is so funny. It's so like, funny and then that bit where he's trying to let Jerry into the house, right, he really couldn't open the door on the set. Oh, really? So then when Jerry comes in, he goes, what the hell are you doing? I've been out there for eight minutes. That's
0: an improv one. <laughs> Oh, that's so good. So yeah, that's I just, so I, I just
1: love that scene. It's so good. Every, where it it you get very, very nearly funny. all of the principals in the in the same place at the same time, and then just throwing in this this, <laughs> this butler who's in two scenes and absolutely nailing it, hitting threes <laughs> from all over the place. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's so just too funny. The way he's, like, <laughs> freaking out on the phone just so funny. <laughs> uh, so, what's your favourite bit? Oh, then? I see. that a uh, so, uh, really innocuous bit towards the start of the film when um, Rupert's trying to ring Jerry's offices and he's doing so from a bank of pay phones. Oh, so And gorgeous. everyone's kind of, like, kicking off, like, you know, can I use the phone, blah, 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 and there's, like, a bit of a kerfuffle. And then it cuts... <laughs> And then it pans back to the phone. <laughs> and he's just like on the phone, just like hugging the phone, just like guarding it <laughs> from anyone. <laughs> he's trying to... He's, and De just got this amazing pose where he's just proper like hugging the phone. And, oh, just, just Again, one of those laugh out loud funny moments. Um, but then also when... <laughs> When Jerry's just like walking down the street and that woman's going, Can I get an autograph? Can I get an autograph? And he's like, No, and she goes, I hope you get cancer. I hope you get cancer It's <laughs> <laughs> such a
0: funny line. Said he's and
2: can... free for like, yeah, so these
0: entitled people, like Yeah, seven. he could stop
2: his day and, and just give you what you want and she's like, Ah, oh.
0: yeah,
1: I
2: hate you. Oh you get cancer.
1: <laughs> you should only get cancer. It's just such a weird line delivery. Uh, apparently, that really um, happened to Jerry Lewis, and Scorsese just set the cameras up and let him direct that entire interaction. <laughs> That's an actress who's on the phone, I say, really? but that act- that interaction actually um, happened to him in real life. Surprised? It. Just love it's it. like
2: the people who like interrupt celebrities in restaurants yeah you know, interrupt them anywhere in their everyday life and then they get pissy when they don't do anything and they're yeah. like oh this is how you treat your fans and it's like they don't owe you anything <laughs> yeah, exactly. they don't yeah. owe you
0: anything no, no. oh no
1: there's no. a really good um, uh, little 20 minute making of on the on the blu-ray and Scorsese's like oh, talking nice. about like um, you know fans and their relationships to celebrities and that that, that you know you you uh, the people who follow these celebrities they invest so much into them and they imprint characteristics onto them that they don't necessarily have so that when they mm. meet them in in reality and they're just normal people trying to get on with their day like they can't compute that because it doesn't fit in with the with the mental image that they've created for themselves he's a smart guy and he, you know, oh, <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll go far he'll go, he'll go far, far. <laughs> uh, what was your favorite bear <laughs>
0: Oh, there's there's so many that I really, really like, but I think I'm going to go with when we see him in his home, after he's got back from, I think, possibly the first meeting with Jerry Lewis. uh, Jerry Langford, I've got to stop doing that. And um, he's got a cardboard (laughs) cutout of Liza Minnelli at one side. (laughs) And Jerry Langford on the other. And he's, he sits between them, just like talking to them as if they're both real. And it's just, he's so brilliant. He's, De Niro is so brilliant in that moment. Um, I mean, he's brilliant all the way through, but I just think especially like as looking at the character and just just the, the commitment to the performance as well. And it's so funny watching him do this, you know, hey, you, hey, you, as he jumps up to kiss I love Jerry this on the cheek. I, I love this, this guy. guy. Hey, you. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, it's, it's superb. Um, so in which case, uh, FYR, the king of comedy, uh, James, you'll go last, as is per our custom, because it was your pick. Say, si, what do you think? Oh, Absolutely, 100%.
2: Um, I think I even enjoyed it more so the second time round, even after all these years. Um, it's really painful to watch in terms of the cringe factor, but with Scorsese at the helm it somehow manages to be really sinister but then also really laugh out loud funny i don't know how he manages to do it um and it is large you know largely down to the two lead performances de niro is just unbelievable as rupert pumpkin um delivering a real frantically awkward and chaotic performance that for me is up there with his very best it's like top certainly top five um, For sure, yeah. Possibly top three. He's he, he's just so good in it. And then with Jerry Lewis, like you know, I'm not that familiar with Jerry Lewis. As I say, I think he's bit, bit before our time. But I've never seen anyone manage to sell the feeling of second hand embarrassment <laughs> more <laughs> than him, and just not wanting to be in the company of the people he's sharing the screen with. I think he's just so good in 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 this film. And then when you put that against the scene where he's uh, the fantasy where he's chatting to Rupert at the bar, trying like begging him to be on his show, and he sells that as well. Like he really likes Rupert and, and all that sort of stuff. So he's fantastic in it. You know, despite saying, as I mentioned before, that he was just being himself and he didn't know where his praise come from. He, he's brilliant in it. Um, it's just a really solid film. It's very funny. It's very dark. It's very obviously well made. Of course, it's well made. Um, and it should be one of those films that is is on that list to tick off before you perish. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> Excellent word use. Uh,
2: it, yeah, it's one of those films I think you have to see. I think it's, it's yeah. very, very essential watching, Um, and particularly if you're interested in seeing the godfather of cringe comedy because I think a lot of stuff owes itself to this film Ooh, and yeah. particularly De
0: Niro's performance in it. <sighs> Slam dunk agreement. Um. This blew me to bits, blew me away. I just loved it. I, and it'll go down, yeah, from here as, yeah, this is one of my top, top films. So much about it I completely love. But I just think it had to be so ahead of its time in 1982, was it? Yeah. Was it two or one? Two. Um, Had to be so ahead of its time in in terms of storytelling, and, and much like what Scorsese, you know, is famed for, making you root for people you really shouldn't be rooting for. Yeah, Um <laughs> Exactly. And, yeah, um, and I just think it's just brilliant. It's complicated. It's um, I just think it's fabulous. I, I loved every minute of it. We haven't really talked about the the, the sheer quality of the filmmaking as well. Yeah, um, which is uh, as you will imagine just so staggeringly high. But script. This is another brilliant example of script and film craft coming together to create real greatness. Um, alongside some of the best performances you're ever likely to see. Um, I always thought I would laugh out loud all the way through. I had my head in my hands all the way through. Um, (laughs) um, I, I just urge anyone who's not seen it to see it. I actually, it's another one of those films where I am simultaneously so glad that we do this podcast so I get to find them at last, but also so, so embarrassed that I've not, and regretful that I've not seen it before. So, yeah. Watch this,
1: <laughs> fantastic!
0: Yeah, no, I mean,
1: I, I know that Simon had seen it before, but yeah, for you watching it on a first viewing, Rob, I didn't know how you would how you would get on with it. But yeah, I'm I'm very pleased that you've both enjoyed it. Uh, just a quick one on Scorsese's direction. He's quite restrained here, isn't he? He's not very. Um, mm. He's not only flashy. There's no like huge tracking shots or anything like that or lots of zooms or dollies or anything like that. It just sort of gets out of the way and lets the actors d- do their thing really. Um and yeah, it really benefits the film and the performances and you know sort of brings a real authenticity to the world itself in which it's taking place. I just think, it's you know, it's just it's just brilliantly funny. It's disconcerting. Um, as I said at the top, it's a comedy of manners that's, you know, way ahead of its time, featuring an all-time great performance from De Niro. The film has this sense of hostility sort of pulsing through it from the get-go as it intelligently skewers a selfish, fame-obsessed culture that would only become more prevalent and scary in the following decades. Mm. I mean... Rupert Pupkin would have been on Big Brother, wouldn't he, if he yes. was around in the two thousands yeah. or <laughs> and, yeah. or if he got himself into really good shape on Love Island. Like,
0: <laughs> stacked with <pumpkin>. that stash. <laughs> stacked <laughs> Pupkin. Stacked stacked stashed pupkin. <laughs>
1: but yeah, it's just it's just masterful. I just think it's really funny. It's really scary And its in a, a subtle sort of way. And yeah, mm-hmm. just great performances across the board, and a real good one. Nice. And you know, it's not probably won't be the last time we get Scorsi on the on the pod. Get ready for the Silence podcast coming. <laughs> I know
2: there's, there's quite a few in there that yeah. would definitely qualify, yeah. particularly
1: from the box office side of things. Yeah. Raging Bull, as if we're allowed to do that. That's I know. Ridiculous. Yeah, I'd have to double check <laughs> that for sure. I, I, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, he's got quite a few that that didn't perform at the box office. Wow. So we might be coming back to these. And it, I, it's always good to sort of... We've done Bringing Out the Dead and we've done The King of Comedy now and neither are gangster films. So, you know, that puts that to about... bed. Well,
0: yeah <laughs> yeah. It's well. um, just super. I'm so glad we, you know we've done this movie i'm so glad we had a chance to properly talk it through yeah. um and thank you very much for bringing it james oh
1: here's a here's a quick one did uh did Joaquin phoenix get robert de niro's oscar for basically starring in the same
0: i've still not seen joker so i don't film. know so
1: i do like that performance by Whacking phoenix by the way i think he's really good in that movie but for here i was very conscious of the of how close it was to king of comedy with just a taxi driver sort of chaser on the end
2: yeah, that that's what I don't. I was kind of confused why it got so many plaudits that film because it was just a mix of those two movies, and he yeah. wasn't even trying to be sort of secret about it or like s- clever with it. It was just obviously a ripoff, <laughs> just with Joker in there. It was just weird. But yeah, it was a really good performance and a yeah decent film. But um, yeah, enough of that.
0: Watch this it's instead. Sad. <laughs> <laughs> uh well superb. Thanks boys. Great to have a chat as always. Um, whose pick is it next? Is it yours, Simon? It is, it is, it is. And what do you have coming to uh to our to our shores. Eye sockets? shores eye sockets? What metaphor will we go for this time?
2: So from Martin Scorsese's King of Comedy to who I believe is the current king of comedy, um we'll be revving up our motocross bikes and donning our fake moustaches for the lonely islands first foray into movie land and hot rod
1: <laughs> hot
2: rod is good hot rod <laughs> is really good
0: i um, again never seen i never, never seen, seen Hot, hot, you're first in hot it's a radio
2: for 39 minutes uh, <laughs> i well we i mean today you know today's film is very funny film but we haven't done an all out comedy for a we while, really have yeah. So. yeah
1: no hot rod um, is less sinister than the king of comedy <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, but yeah, somewhat controversial. I just think Andy Sandberg's the man, and we will discuss at length why that is the case. Oh yeah, that'll be uh, great.
0: Next we meet. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, um, I very much look forward to. Um, I nearly said MacGruber, so it's not <laughs> MacGruber. Sorry. <laughs> We have done McGrew, haven't we?
2: We oh, have. Pop star, yeah, it's in that it sort of wheelhouse. It, yeah. Is, yeah. it is. Yeah, it's
0: because this week, um, you know, uh, I took my wife out for dinner and we listened to the McGrewer soundtrack <laughs> on the way there. What an old romantic! What
2: uh, um, of fa- uh, one of, the, one of favorite film of Chris Nolan. Just, uh, just yeah, just so we know. Yeah, so we okay.
0: know the um, guy. Cheers, taste. fellas. Well, <laughs> we know this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That sounded sinister. I don't know why. Um, gents, thanks for everything. We'll see you next time for Hot Rod. And uh, everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in once again. Thank you very much. Uh, please uh, tune in next time and uh, hit us up on the Twitters for a chat. Uh, X. is called X now. X
2: now, Rob. H- send us some Xs on, on
1: X.com. Oh, X. oh, yeah. Elon's <laughs> decided that having one of the most recognisable brands in the world is is not a good thing. Essentially, so he's he's replaced the bird with a little X.
0: Is this a joke?
2: No. Yeah, he's he's, re, he's rebranding Twitter from from Twitter to X. Well, how, would you, how would you how do you say? Well, dude, it's, I don't want it's an not X on my phone. That well It's CD. not been established yet. looks well It's not been established.
0: Anyway, anyway, right. Topical. Finding <laughs> out things in real time here. Amazing. <laughs> so, us... <laughs> uh we're like. just
1: gonna keep calling Twitter until he boots us all <laughs> off, basically.
0: <laughs> Tweet us at FYI Film Pod and give us five stars on your subscription service of choice. Thanks so much, everyone. Uh and yeah, take it easy. Have a lovely time. Say goodbye, boys. Bye-bye. Bye Bye-bye. bye bye. Uh anyone for a potato and leek cup of soup? <laughs> 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 I'm going to have to stock up and get him in and just like, do a midnight Honestly, cup of you've soup. Honestly, you got to try it. Is it. Maybe it's. I would say it's since turning 40, but it's not. I've been doing this for a long time.
2: <laughs> it's key to have freshly ground black pepper in the cup
0: of soup, though, isn't it? Yeah, and triple season, yeah. and tri- yeah, yeah uh, okay. In the cup before you put the powder in, then do the powder. <laughs> does it not already
2: have the seasoning in the powder? Of course though. it does. You're making it really
1: salty.
0: <laughs> no, no, I don't it's Making salt. me thirsty just thinking. It's oh, pepper. It's oh, pepper. It's <laughs> pepper. Oh no! I want to feel like I want the outside of my lips to feel singed. That's what I really want. You know, you're sipping like, oh yeah, really got it that time. <laughs>